Welcome to the Traffic Masters Show. Each week, Traffic Masters explores the lifeblood of your business, generating traffic, turning visitors into leads, and conversion strategies. Mastering traffic and conversion allows you to grow a business you love and live the life of your dreams. Welcome to the show. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Blog Talk Radio. Here, uh, another episode of Traffic Masters here on Blog Talk Radio. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Graves. I am calling in this week from beautiful Atlanta, Georgia, as we do each week on Tuesdays at noon Eastern. We've got yet another fantastic Traffic Masters for you guys today. We have my co-host, Jack Humphrey, who is calling in from Richmond, Indiana, because Lucky Jack is back home before I am. Hello, Jack. Hello, I don't envy you being on the road. It was um it was a long one yesterday, eight hours straight. Whew. And we are stuck in downtown Atlanta traffic. Lord only knows why the GPS routed us this way. Because <laughs> we were practically in downtown Atlanta anyway. You started there. Uh, it's going to make for a long trip home. We had about a nine-and-a-half-hour drive ahead of us before we got stuck in traffic. Now it's probably more like a ten-and-a-half-hour drive. Well, I'm going to start a new saying. If you're stuck in traffic, you're probably in Atlanta. That's my new thing. There you go. Good saying. <laughs> well, we have got a really awesome guest, Jack. Why don't you tell everybody a little more about her? We have Chris Oster today. She's a Ph.D., Mermaid Marketing and Success on Traffic Masters Today. And she is a scholar of mythology, archetypal psychology, who also happens to be skilled at marketing and business design, who happens to also be a writer, musician, and entrepreneur. And that's just the tip of the mermaid's tail. Companies hire Chris when they need a spark of imaginative mysticism build a department into action or dive 10 fathoms deeper into a marketing campaign. And they hire her. Entrepreneurs hire her when they need a serious celestial wake-up, fresh priorities, vibrant branding, a clear sense of their story, their personal mythology, and more. She believes she's been put on this planet first and foremost as a healer. Chris, welcome. Thank you so much, you guys. It's really great to be on the show finally. <laughs> Yeah, it took a little time to get you here, but we finally did. So, and I'm sure it's it's worth the wait. Absolutely, we were uh, as we were talking last week, we had a little bit of a scheduling mess up last week. So we were uh, pouring over your site, and and I noticed as a drummer um, <laughs> some very yeah, very right on things about about who you are and your history. Can you tell everybody a little bit more, expanding on that? Sure, sure. Um, yeah, I had a very interesting childhood, um, not the normal childhood of um, many people. My um, father is Danny Serafin. He uh, was the original drummer for the supergroup Chicago. And, um, yeah, I have a lot of interesting memories and uh, wonderful experiences. It definitely, there was never really a dull moment, and I think for most of my childhood, I think I kind of wished for having it to be more normal than it was, but now looking back, I'm, you know, I'm, I was really fortunate and really, you know, um, yeah, it was an amazing, amazing life to, to see and then, you know, to have the different contrasts, you know, I mean, I, you know, I remember, I remember before my dad made it and the band made it, you know, and we were living in a one, you know, bedroom studio on Hollywood Boulevard and Vine or something like that and, you know, um, being really broke, and but everybody was happy, you know. Um, I guess I could tell one really good band story that maybe maybe people don't know about, but, um, you Not know, in the cool. very beginning, they were, you know, you know, super broke, and they were playing, you know, all over the Sunset Strip, but, you know, it was just, it was the early days before they hit it big, and um, so for Christmas, none of the guys could afford Christmas trees, so they all got into a van and drove past, like, one of those Christmas tree places outside, and they, like, all reached out the window, like, on one side, and each grabbed a tree and drove off with a tree hanging out of the window. 
I, I thought that was a great story. I was like, oh, my God. I could just see them doing that, too, stealing. Because, you know, for the most part, most of the guys had families and, you know, wives. And, you know, so the, I, I figure I'd tell that story because, you know, not many people know the early day stories, at least that early. That, that almost sounds like a scene from a music video. It's surprising mm-hmm. that it didn't. <laughs> Totally. Well, great. I didn't want to make this all about drumming, but fellow drummer to fellow drummer, uh, hi. Hi. <laughs> I know you're a musician. So, yeah, that was really cool. I was like, okay, who do we have on? This was last week. And uh, and I'm looking over your – I'm like, holy cow, how are we going to ever talk about marketing? I'm going to have to be very disciplined <laughs> because – Well, that's the thing about marketing, too, is the more personality and the more of your story and your vulnerability that you put in there, the more successful – you'll be and the more you know the more magnetic your marketing will be too yeah yeah i think that everybody really really uh i don't know why because most people don't have a corporate background but everybody goes with whatever they think is is very corporate Uh, and you know they don't put a lot of themselves into things or or they or they just make a bunch of mistakes based on the way they think they're supposed to act out there Rather than just being themselves, they didn't. Not a lot of people, it seems, were given permission to just be themselves when they were younger, or, or whenever they learned anything about business. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Yeah, but I well, I think it's the state of our, you know, of our society. It's in general very repressed, and there's a lot of rules and regulations, and some of them are un, unspoken. They're just kind of, you know, we're we're born into this culture, and that's part of like you're talking about in the intro, the archetypal psychology. You know, part of our society is, you know, we have this hero's journey myth that we're all most of us pretty much are living through unconsciously, and. Um, and part of that hero's journey is to overcome something. You know, where we become, the hero becomes, what's the way to say it? They, they're um, dissatisfied, discontent. Um, they're feeling pain in their ordinary circumstances, which before maybe were comfortable. So then they're pushed into that area of having to get out there and slay the dragon, you know, um, face their fears. Basically, that's kind of the symbol of that and um, become something more than just who they are every day. So, you know, the, you know we all, I think all of us each day are, are overcoming layers of societal um, restrictions, uh, stuff from family. There's a ton of stuff from family. Um you know, I yeah, my dad was a rock star, but he was also a super, you know, traditional Italian guy. And, you know, there were definitely rules. There were, you know, it wasn't all, you know, hippies and bong smoking. <laughs> but, um, yeah. you know, it, it was very, um, well, he was very driven, you know, compared to a lot of the other guys in the group. So I think, you know, my mom is very spiritual. And... um so I kind of grew up with the two with the two dichotomies, the very more, you know, you have to work hard and do it and just take action and, and be, um, you know, have a dream and be really active about it. And my mom was more of, you know, more into prayer and meditation and, and the spiritual side. So I definitely got both. And still, even for me, I, I think each year... I become more vulnerable. I'm able to reveal more of myself because, you know, and I don't know. I guess I don't think it ever gets easier, you know. I mean, yeah. it's, just, it's always something new to unveil um, for yourself and then to also share with the world in a way that, in a way where there's a lesson or some kind of um, teaching involved. Like some people can get really too vulnerable and open as far as, like, you know, like the, we don't want to vomit all over people, you know, it's got to be, and it's not about a strategy, it's about being authentic, but also knowing how your story weaves into not just your personal experience, but into the wider world, you know, right? how it can apply to other people. I think that's important to note with marketing. Yeah. Because some people just try to be vulnerable and then it's like, oh, I have to spend all night crying about blah, 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 blah. And, you know, like, okay, then what? what's the teaching? What am I supposed to get from this, you know? If you're sharing yeah. with me, what is the learning here? And not to say, I mean, there's a place for 
you know, exposing our feelings and vomiting them out, and that's more like therapy or group circle. You know, it's not necessarily should be done in an email, right? Right. Yeah, I, and everything has its place, right? <laughs> totally, totally. Well, speaking of places, you're mixing up places like crazy because, like, at DU, Directions University, we have a lot of healers. We have people who do uh, a lot of different things, uh, and people seem to take that, and the and the people that they generally, students generally work with are people who are working on personal things or what? It's always personal, right? <laughs> but yeah. you say you were put on this planet to be a healer, and then you go on to say, I'm on one of your pages, I happen to work my healing magic through marketing. Now, that's weird to me because we have healers who want to learn how to market their healing business better, um, more effectively, but you're actually talking about healing in a, in a marketing sense. Can you expand on that a little bit about, as far as what you do? Sure, sure. So one of my um, golden um, sort of quotes that I, I say a lot to people, especially the healers and any kind of creative types, because creativity is healing too, is that marketing is a golden opportunity for healing. And why I say that is, you know, from my own experience, when I get emails from someone like Danielle Laporte or um, um, I'm thinking of uh, Tara Villeneuve, um, y- uh, Yancey Lyle, um, the, you know, there's a of different people who I, you know, I subscribe to their newsletters, and when I get them, I feel I read their words or I go to their website, and there's something about the energy that comes through their words and their visuals that heals me in some way. And it's not necessarily a book, it's not necessarily um, a program, it's just their marketing to promote something like a program or a book. So I think if we want to embody that sense of being the healer and being an illuminator, then the marketing has to step up to that too. It's not just about creating great content that um, that heals or putting our hands on people or sending Reiki. It's, you know, doing something to raise your own level of energy, which is when I get into more of the pleasure stuff and the... Um, you know, doing what you need to do for yourself to also put that energy into your marketing. So if you're, like, tired and really struggling and feeling awful, imagine the energy that's going to go into an email that you send out to people. It's not going to be healing energy, right, um, right. at least from my perspective. And, you know, you know, we live in this giant field of energy where we're all connected. So the more, the, the more of us that um, come up and do marketing from that level, the more healing happens, right? Um, that's what I think. Well, yeah, especially if uh, another uh, uh, part of the, the, the group of people that are attracted to what we do is, is service is a really, really big deal and making a difference and leaving a legacy. And those are in the top parts of the list, if not the top of the list of things that people come to us and they're like, and then, you know, we want a business that supports that. We want to be able to market in a way that supports that mission that we have, a sense of purpose and passion, and and uh, and it's really really important. Um, I've written emails in a bad mood before, and <laughs> that's not good. That's never it's never worked out very well. Not surprisingly, I mean a lot of people would agree with that, but we have to um, we have to kind of counsel people a little bit in the beginning when we're first meeting them through the. Uh, decontamination process kind of you know I was I've been out in the world and I've been told that we have to market in this way and I have to act in this way and do things this way and I've never thought that was true and you guys say it's not so tell me more about that as far as the conversation usually starts and I, I really think that most people are like that I don't think most people fit the the traditional entrepreneurial uh, mold you know, I think a lot. Do you? I mean, do you find that in in the people that you meet, the people you work with, whether it's corporate or individuals, that they have some sense of relief when they're talking to you about this stuff, and that you're not going to make them be the way everybody thinks you're supposed to be in business and message things in the way that that everybody thinks you you're supposed to. Yes. So it, it's. I think it's really healing for people, you know, whether, you know, when they come to you, I'm sure 
like you said, when you have this intuitive hit, like to um, take a step back before writing that email, but on your calendar says, you know, you're supposed to send an email on this date. You know what I mean? Because we all have, you know, as entrepreneurs, you have to have mm-hmm. a plan that that goes right. without saying. You, but the the healer in you would go, hmm, I might need to postpone this for a couple of days till I'm feeling more clear about why I'm in this energy I'm in and move through it before I, you know, do this. So for someone to say to you, hey, you know, Jack, you can you can wait a couple of days. Shit, you can wait a week. Yeah. Right? And then you're like, oh, yeah, thank you. You know, it's like we, we do wait for that permission. And, I mean, it makes me feel crazy sometimes, but I do the same thing with my coach. I'm like, oh, yeah, I do have permission. <laughs> you know, everybody needs somebody to tell them they have permission to do something their own way in their time um, yeah. and in their own voice. And it's it's re- and it's really and then that kind of vulnerability is scary because we're used to the world of swipe swipe copy and you know um, well right. I, that that coach gave me that template and it's great that they gave you a template but how can you make it your own right that's right. what the and that might take some time and giving people permission to have that time is a is a big deal for them and but a lot of times we have to remind ourselves that we also have that permission so. Do you ever, you know, how hard do you have to fight sometimes to remind yourself that, you know, this is what you believe? When when we leave this interview, the world will continue to try to work its magic, in air quotes, on us. And, you know, people will make demands of our time. They'll say, I heard you on this, and now I want you to be on mine. And all of the real-world stuff starts happening again. What do you do on a regular basis to keep yourself centered and focused and grounded in that mission that you have? Well, you know, I think I I have a lot of support. Um, I usually have either a coaching group. I mean, I pretty much have my own mastermind group, but I also belong to other people's masterminds. Um, I mm-hmm. also have my own coach who um, is Melissa Casera. She's amazing, amazing. Like, uh, she kind of came out of the Marie Forleo camp. And, like, mm-hmm. she's one of the few people that doesn't, like, do affiliate marketing when B-School comes around. So I'm always, like, I kind of took note of that. I'm like, oh, she doesn't feel the need, you know, and it's whatever. I really love how she lets me be me. You know, she doesn't try mm-hmm. to change me into who she is or who she thinks the perfect entrepreneur should be. It's like, okay, so what's the best of Chris so you can really give the best of you to the world? Um, that's kind of how she works. And... Um, that's how I work too with my clients. So um, definitely coaching. Um, I the other thing is moving my body and being in nature. That's a huge one. Um, it could be you know doing my morning pages outside. You know while I'm drinking my coffee. You know because yeah we we you know a lot of us have kids and families too on top of our regular work and you know promotions and everything else we're doing. Um, so I, I do my best to really, what I call pleasure myself and, you know, you know, sex is on the table too, (laughs) of all kinds with somebody by yourself. Um, there's, you know, people who are turned on are going to write better. They're going to produce more, um, life-changing transformative material. They're going to light up other people. I mean, it only, you know, it's not brain surgery. We we know this. Um, where else was I going with that? Uh, where everybody's thinking now. You've got everybody turned on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Going, you thought you say yeah, the word okay. sex and everybody's like, yeah. oh, I'm telling I'm you. Telling and, you. And, <laughs> <laughs> so, but that's. You know, that's kind of my thing now is, you know, having a passionate love affair with not only your husband or your lover or your wife or whoever, it's, you know, having a passionate love affair with your business. Um, mm. And Yeah, why does, it, why does it have to be a dry, sterile environment? You know, this is the way business is. I saw my dad growing up was a traveling 
uh, salesman. He had a route for Bostwick Braun hardware, and he would go to all the little the places that don't exist anymore, the little corner, you know, where you'd go downtown to get, a, like, a screw that you needed for something in your house. And that's the way it used to be for people who can't remember uh, past Walmart. <laughs> and yeah. most of those are gone. I remember his life, you know. He had the uh, the suit rack in the back of the car, you know, where he'd have all his suits hanging straight across the back in the back seat. And he had these great big books because they didn't have um, computers, to carry around that you could put in a car and it had every single product in the entire hardware line for that company and he practically had it memorized and he'd go around and just make calls and he'd talk to people and he just, you know, they were all his friends, the guys who owned these little hardware stores um, and that was his favorite thing. You know, he would be uh, today, on a day like today, he would have left early and gone to Toledo or he would have gone to uh, some other part of his route in Indiana and Illinois and he wouldn't be back for a couple of days. And he'd stop at every little tiny where, uh, hardware store in every little tiny, you know, uh, town between here and there and back. And But at home, it was just very dry. I don't think he, you know, he had very much fun with the paperwork part of the business because he was in his office all the time, just buried, and everything was on paper. There was nothing in a computer file or anything like that. Uh, so everything you did and everything you were in that business was out in the open in a big cluttered office. And, you know, I, I, I learned a lot from that. I didn't learn all the good things from that. I learned that you business sucks. And he wanted me to not go to college. He wanted me to go and get a sales job with his company. He said, it'd be really easy because they love me there. I'm, I've been there forever and you could just walk in as a legacy and get your own territory. And I hated the idea of that because I saw what, that was my introduction to business. And I thought business, based on what I saw, sucked until he took me out on his route and they showed me the other side of it where he got to help people and be himself. And I'd never seen him not be dad before. I'd only seen him be, you know, what he was around me. And then when we went out on the road for the first time and he wanted to show me what I was missing, I still at the end of it didn't think I was missing much, but... Uh, but I did think it was really neat to see him act in a way that he'd never acted before. He was just being, you know, not my dad. He was being their, you know, representative and all of that. It was really cool. But the general thing that I picked up, and I think a lot of people do, um, is that business just is, is really formal. There's a lot of paperwork, and it's just junky and that and blah. So then everybody goes up, and they work for other people until they decide that's no good, and I want to start my own business. What do I know about business? Well, my dad had a bunch of paperwork, and <laughs> you had to act this way. And a lot of it is just fairy tale stuff. You would just make up and fill in the blanks from not having the actual experience. You would just go, well, if this part is like this, then the rest of it must be that way too. And all that deprogramming that has to happen for people to become really good entrepreneurs that are well-rounded and they're actually out there, uh, you know, making a difference is is. That's a big industry, really, I'm finding. We're finding a lot of people like you and us and uh, and others out there that are helping people just to um, find out what this is really all about, what it really means to be an entrepreneur that has a heart. That was a mm-hmm. long, long thing, and there was no question at the end, so I'm a very bad interviewer. But what do you think? <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. I was going to say that I was picking up, too, that, you know, in some ways you are doing your father's business. Like the part that he liked the best, which is communication and, Mm -hmm. you know, talking to people and helping people. Obviously you're a really good communicator like he, you know, like I'm sure he was um, or still is. I don't know if he's still with us. but um, He still is, but not in the physical form. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure you know. I, I kind of I kind of saw your dad smiling on you as you were talking. I could see him like, yeah, you're you take after, you know, so you what what you know inevitably happens is we inherit stuff from our parents and I inherited great things obviously from my dad and I inherited also his his shortcomings too. And you know, and then, you know, as the next generation we we take what was really good and amazing from what our parents' livelihood was and we expand it at least the, mm-hmm. the the good part. So, you know, my daughter, she's I've I'm sure I'm passing down my shit to her too and the good stuff. You know, so she's mm-hmm. and hopefully, you know, again it's you know, the, as the generations come up, I'm noticing she has 
almost no inhibitions about anything. Like compared to me when I was little, I was like, wow. When I was her age, I would not do half the things. I was too scared. But she has mm-hmm. have those inhibitions because she's coming from, you know, already coming from a more evolved place than I'm coming from. So as we evolve, then the, the generations behind us begin to evolve too. Yeah, absolutely. Everything's expansion. We've been expanding since the Big Bang or whatever the heck happened, right? Yeah, Nobody exactly. Really <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, well, I, I think this is – go ahead. Uh, anyway, this is Jan. Hey, glad to join y'all. Oh, hey, Jan. Hey, Jan. Jan's here. Um, <laughs> yay. Well, you know, I'm really glad we're having this conversation because, it, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, it's interesting how much we internalize us being our business and yet how little energy we actually spend on focusing around us mm-hmm. and the business and all the stuff that goes into that. You know, I am a person, but I am not my business. I learned that as a professional musician. When I quit traveling on the road, I was lost. It's like, who am I? It's like I was not mm. a musician. I was a person who that was my job. Many people, when they get laid off, they have the same thing or when they retire. You know, and I grew up watching my dad work a job. Most of the time, I don't think he liked. Both me and my brother are both fiercely uh, self-employed. We're just like unemployable. You know, we just can't (laughs) imagine doing it. Somehow, even though I think he was very good at what he did with the people stuff, there was something about it that really translated Yet I think sometimes I internalize that even about my own business. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a part of me that kind of hates being in business because it's sort of what I learned to associate with it. You know, and it, it is a really powerful message that we tell ourselves about who we are and what we do. And you know, I hear and that, our definition of business. Uh huh. You know? And I. And Chris, we had this conversation when I interviewed you, and Jack talks about this all the time, um, and Gina too, but Jack especially is always talking about, hey, it's what you're doing, and it's what you're doing today with the people you're involved with today in your business. That's the real secret. You know, it's about connecting and with them, it's about serving them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it can change on a dime. Exactly. And all that stuff. Is, it's so funny how much we struggle to pull things forward into our current existence from our past because it doesn't exist. Whatever was in our past is completely over now, and it's never going to happen again, and it's done. It, as In addition to the sentence that I just completed right now with this period, that's over, and it will never happen again, and we're different people now than we were 3.5 seconds ago in a, in a very, very real sense. And I think everybody gets that. But then we turn on the History Channel and we see everybody documenting everything and mulling over everything that's ever happened in history, including our own personal histories. And we bring that stuff forward, me included, uh, at all times. I don't know what it is, if it's a DNA thing, if it's just uh, we're just wired to do that. But it is quite silly in the fact that it's gone. It's just all gone, and it doesn't. It's not any. So I don't know what you would say that, about that, Chris. It's kind of a deep thing to get into on a marketing discussion. But what the hell? I mean, why not? Because we're trying to get people to, you know, have fun and know that there aren't any rules whatsoever. They're just none. So your business doesn't have to be the business that you define as your, you know, historical what you picked up about business before. It doesn't have to be that. It could be whatever you think it should be. And then we also have lots of examples in present day of people. Now, this is their highlight reel, but people are out there doing really extraordinary things with their businesses and showing uh, as much of their personal as they want to show, but they're having fun and they're incorporating it into their lives. And, again, one of our fairly recent guests, Joel Kong, comes to mind, and he shares an awful lot, and that's his thing. A lot of people, nah, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be out there on social that much. But, you know, he's he's come to a he seems to me to be somebody who's come to a real nice place where there's a good balance in how much he shares and how much he's personal and personable and all that in his business and it's just working for him and it's like somebody tapped him on the shoulder and said joel i give you permission to do it the way you want to do it 
and there are no rules. And what it what it happens is people come into that kind of a vortex and they start to feel like, man, this is really cool and inspiring and light, and they're not getting bogged down in anything other than whatever Joel is talking about at the time. He takes away all of the worrisome stuff. You can tell he's not mad when he writes his emails. You can tell he's really having a good time. And when somebody's having a good time, you want to listen to them a little more, which is evident in his billions of followers all over social. Does that make any sense, Chris? Did I do good? You did great. Yeah, I agree okay. with you and Jan. That <laughs> I think that our past is never as important as our present. And um, But I, I do... I also believe that we are the living, breathing symbol of our business. Um, really, mm-hmm. we are the business. We are we are it, right? Um, the business is not us. We are the business. Um, I, you know, I guess you could go either way, but I, I feel like the um, the conversation around. Um, putting your personality and not following the rules is is an important one to have because I think that even some of those people will sometimes talk about, you know, what's right and what's wrong. I mean, I, I've, I've done it too. I have my opinions about what kind of marketing I like and what kind of marketing I don't like because there are some people who are putting themselves, like, out there and I really don't like their style. I just they're not my person. I'm not their person either. So um, I think everyone has to decide for themselves how to interpret their past and present experience and how that works into their marketing. Um, And it's all about imagination. How are we imagining ourselves? How are we imagining the future? How are we imagining the past, you know, and reinterpreting maybe something really negative that happened to us as, wow, you know, I'm here because of that experience. I am who I am because of that experience. Where am I going to take it from here? Um, Because we can't erase the past. That never happens. Um, The shadow follows us everywhere we go. Um, So we have to know who our shadow is and and befriend it. And also, um, you know, have compassion because that's the the vulnerable side because it's all that that piece of ourselves you know trying to protect you know probably more more our hearts you know we're trying to protect some place that we've been wounded before um yeah. and we we spiral around those wounds as we heal but the the wounds don't go away and the wounds are what bursts the light the light bursts through the cracks of that wound it needs the wounds are there to help us um, move further. Yeah. So I, I believe that there is, is a purpose. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I'm done. Oh, I was going to say, I, there there are ways for people to do introspective work and, and go, all right, this is going to be, this is me, I'm the business, the business isn't me, I'm going to go forth. But do you have any examples, I'm sure you do, or I wouldn't ask the question, of how this helps you be a better marketer, get the word out about what it is that you do, and attract the people that you want to work with, the very most perfect kinds of people that you want to work with, knowing all the things that we've been talking about so far. Because we're not just talking about ourselves, we're talking about everyone. And everyone is a consumer, you know. <laughs> everyone goes out and everyone is selling to everyone. So how? what are some examples that you could give of people knowing what we're talking about and making them more attractive of the people that they want to work with the most or to buy their products and services the most? Okay, I think I understand your question, but um, if I'm not answering the right way, stop me. You know what? Um, In a minute, I'll understand my question too. So we'll be both. Yeah, I think I, I get point. what you're saying. So, no, I know it's it's a big topic. It's deep. It's not like the usual. You know, how many times do I post on social media? Not those kind of questions. Um, I'm, ask that I, I'm glad. I'm glad we're not asking those questions because those aren't <laughs> the, those aren't the right questions to be asking. I think at this time. Um, right. So, for an example I can give um, from my own experience and my client's experience is that where it's almost it's a very unexpected thing because they 
they have a sense of, I want to be more like you, or I want to be more like this person. I want to feel comfortable being more visible. That's usually the word they use, something about visibility. Um, and, you know, I don't know how to do it. And so I basically yeah. teach them that, well, yes, you do. You just haven't, again, it's about asking the right questions. What? So the, what is one of the right questions could be, um, how how can I be more myself? How can I make, you know, how can I bring more pleasure to the world? How can I bring my flavor of healing to the world? Because you could be a Reiki healer, you can be a massage therapist, you could be a marketer, and you're all doing something to heal, but, you know, what is your particular flavor? Um, and we all have our vehicles, so we choose our vehicles for for that, and... Um, when we discover that, oh my gosh, you know, this this kind of work, and it, I, I kind of like to call it imagining into or storytelling or, um, you know, self-reflection, this kind of inner work mm-hmm. needs to happen, like, pretty regularly. It's not something, like, you do once, and it just happens for right. you, right? It's it, You definitely can get an epiphany really quickly, like, oh, okay, now I know the direction. Now I'm like, okay, now I know what to do. But um, So we go down that path, and then all of a sudden we start seeing unsubscribes or we start getting criticized or, you know what I mean? So then... You know, because as we change, you know, the status quo, the people around us that have already been around us and on our list, they might start to freak out. Some of them won't, but some of them will. And mm. so it's it's that mirror of, okay, here's who I am, and here's what I'm reflecting, and this is what the world is reflecting back to me. So then it's it's a lot of processing, I think. Um, yeah, to really yeah. become great at marketing, to become great at anything you do, it's it's a lot about continually processing that those messages that you're putting out, and then what's coming back from that. Um, because you know, and I found out like I had a really low point Saturday. I think it was after that solar eclipse, new moon thing. It was like I was so high Friday, and then boom, on Sunday I just. On Saturday, I hit rock bottom. It was like I was so depressed. Mm. And then a client sent me a totally unsolicited testimonial, and it was like, okay, thank you. I really needed to hear that. Um, so, again, we we need to have a witness and someone to validate. Like you said, give us permission. Because, yeah. you you know, you start to feel like I'm all alone out here. Right, so I don't know. Am I answering your question? Giving you the yeah, kind of I was just I was had a little image about? pop in. Absolutely, you did, and and I just had an image pop into my head. Is it's like we could go around, and we you know if Disney were to get a hold of what we're talking about, they'd probably make an animated thing with someone going around and touching people on the shoulder with a magic wand, because really we just give people permission. Hey, you know you're allowed to do that. That thing you're thinking about right now, you can do that. You can run your business that way. You can sell your products. You can put them together in that way. You can celebrate what it is you do in the world to do, to attract the attention of more customers and change their lives in this very way that you're thinking about doing it right now. Or in the other sense, we were just in Atlanta for NAMS, and we were doing a session, Gina and David Bullock and I, on um, storytelling and the Vortex uh, model that Directions University teaches. And... Um, the importance of story. The very beginning of when you started uh, in on this last section was what people come to you and, and visibility. And I wanted to ask you right there, and I was so patient. Uh, oh, in, you but, can interrupt <laughs> me at any time. I'll right keep there. going. <laughs> Don't people often come to you with the wrong idea in mind in the first place, meaning that they'll probably be focused on what they think they're supposed to be doing on social media or in traditional media or how they're supposed to be acting, and they don't actually haven't really thought that much of their they sh- what they should be worried about is what is the story they're trying to tell, and if you don't have a story, those mm-hmm. tools mean nothing. 
and they're more worked up about that. I think that when we've worked, when I've worked with people before, and we've worked on getting their story down, they don't ask questions about the visibility stuff as much as they do when they don't have their story down. Then they become in their proper place. These are the tools that I use to get the word out: my website, social, all that stuff, email, joint ventures, interviews. Then it becomes a mission-driven thing more than before, and they're not hung up as much about the visibility thing or the tools themselves. Have you seen that in your business as well or the people that you work with? Yeah. So in one of my, um, one of my services is called The Plunge, in which you know, the first two-hour session I have with them is I'm asking them questions. I'm evoking their story, like, tell me about this, tell me about that. And, and then they start to see, oh, that's... Yeah, their story begins to materialize. But what I, I tend, yeah, I tend to, and you probably work very similar, ask them the questions to evoke out of them the story, you know, giving mm-hmm. them the right prompts rather than saying, here's how to do a good story. Again, that's following rules. Um, not to say that, gui- I mean, guidelines are great because they do help us formulate things when we need that extra push. But um, I try to, at the very beginning, keep it very open. And it's a little bit chaotic. And I find that people, the way I work at first, it is like a plunge. They're like underwater going, oh, my God, look at all this stuff, and holy crap, what do I do with this? And then in the next um, thing I do is I create a, a report for them, and I basically say this is, these are the archetypes that are coming through your brand, and, these, and you're living through your life. This is what I'm seeing. This is what I think would really help you move forward in your business. But it's all based on the story they told me. Or stories, they mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm, and they I'm probably 100%, don't think they're I'm 100% important. in your camp. Yeah, I, and it's really weird when we start people off like that. If they're coming fresh off the highway, the information super highway, and they're comparing their lives constantly to everybody else's highlight reel all around them, and and then they get you, you sit down with them and you start talking about this kind of stuff, and it takes them aback for a minute because it's like, wait a minute, no, 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 I'm just trying to grow my business. Why are we talking about this stuff? And then they, and then that transition is the most magical moment I, I, for me and probably is pretty important for you when their lights turn on and they finally understand why you started out that way, why you're talking about their story and everything else because then they get to see now in the right perspective all those other things that they were worried about, those are either tools that they need to use for their business once they have their story worked out, after they've actually figured out that their story is the most important thing. Like, you know, that it's not... Um, we used to, as an aside, a digression of massive proportions, I went, uh, I went uh, to Warrior Forum very, very early in 1998. I was one of the first uh, Warrior Forum members. And back then we just had a forum that one and AOL was there and they were tricking everybody into thinking that AOL was the internet and we hadn't actually in in mass figured out that there's actually a bigger internet out there outside AOL's little server uh, of which they had one (laughs) and uh, and we didn't have a lot of things that we could do so you know story wasn't as important the story then was the internet itself like and, and then you could like you could buy something from me and you'd have to send in a check you like have to get your checkbook out and then look back on your screen and if it has loaded yet because it was 10 minutes ago that you tried to load the page that had no images or anything on it. It was just text. And then it finally loaded and there's my address and yep, okay, I'll send it here for this, for this uh, book or something. And the story was the Internet. So our personal stories really hadn't come into play as much because we were all just playing with this technology that we were fascinated with and we were doing business such as it was at the time. But that gradually, pretty actually quickly, uh, started to change and people wanted to know who they were doing business with a lot more. But prior to that, prior to the web, you know, you didn't care if you went into, uh, if it was a local store, then you probably knew who owned it. But other than that, chains started coming up really big and nobody knows who owns the Walmart here in town or cares, or whatever, or who, you know, and it's corporate. So there wasn't as big a need for story back when chains started up and everything else, and um, on the Internet everything was no face, no place, no anything. So nobody really pushed us to know anything more about us or thought that they could. 
as merchants who were selling things. But it really did quickly start to change. And then when social came around, it was that was the end. And now we we want to know who's behind because everybody's got similar products. There are uh, tens of thousands of, of people who would call themselves healers out there. And many, many, and we know that there are many different kinds and niches and all of that kind of stuff. But generically, you know, oh, you're a healer. Tell me more about who you are. And people know to ask that question, and people are actually really interested in that question now than they ever have been before. And I don't see it going away. And once again, I'm ending this with no question whatsoever. So there you go. No, it's a conversation. It's a conversation. <laughs> no, it's yeah. good. This is good. You don't have to ask a question. I think, um, yeah, I mean, I'm seeing it too. Like my like my free like Facebook groups are growing, and there's more and more people like us rising. There's like a rising tide of healing-based, creative-based entrepreneurs um, because, we want to be self-expressed in our businesses. That's, I think that's kind of the whole linchpin of the thing. It's about, I mean, we, of course we want to make money. We want to um, change the world. But ultimately, where we're coming from in our business is a lot to do, again, with our wounds. And one of my wounds as a child was not having my own voice. I was stuck in my father's shadow. So having a voice now and using it is part of, the healing process for me to heal that wound. Um, and everybody obviously has their own reason for whatever their healing message is that they're bringing out through their entrepreneurial business. But the business and the message are one and the same, right? Like, right. you know, we could call message story. We could call it brand. Story is definitely brand. Um, so... Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. We have a really beautiful rise of people coming to uh, you know people like you and all of us here on the call that um, they need they need that support because you know, they're not going to get it from society because society says you're not yeah. important unless you make X amount of dollars, you own a house, and you have two and well, you know, what one and a half children or something. <laughs> it's like some. Mm-hmm. The white picket fence oh, dream so and all sorry that. For the Cut half those children child. in the half, will you? <laughs> well, which half are we talking about? The upper half or the lower half or right down the middle? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the one that doesn't though, right? talk back. Most people stop having 2.5 children. <laughs> well, you know, exactly. the thing I wanted to say about this conversation is that it's it's no longer a luxury for entrepreneurs or self-employed or or small business to simply rely on their industry to share the message about what they offer. And it does not matter whether you're a healer or an accountant. We are bombarded by marketing. We are bombarded by media and messages. And if you have no ability to distinguish who you are and how you do what your job is, you can't actually connect with the people looking for you. Mm-hmm. The yeah. Internet has made that more and more possible to do with video and and this radio show and, all, you know, better copywriting and video series and all kinds of technology has made it easier. And yet it has become, in in reality, harder for small businesses to do that because you can't just say, I'm an accountant or I'm a chiropractor, or I'm a this, because there's a million of them. People are looking on their phones. they got 15 tabs open, um, even at yeah. networking events or whatever. So it is critical that we learn how to use that part of us. It's what I like to say, the part that makes you successful in person with the yeah. tools that help you reach massive people it's not just the tools just using the tools whether it's social media or video or google adwords it doesn't matter if you don't put that you component in there and i think that's what i hear when i hear story Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know because we we under everybody understands stories that's really what i think we've seen people and large corporations whoever it is they're bec- using that successfully because it's the piece 
that helps us cut through the marketing crap and get to the message. Right. You know, we're well, kind of hardwired that way. Yeah. Go ahead. One of the one of the big things in your message just now that might I would like to clarify a little bit, lest anyone listening think that um, you know it's us against the world. Like a lot of conversations like this talk as if it's really incumbent upon just us that the whole world of our business and its success or failure rests on our shoulders alone. And I don't want anybody to think that. Your story is really important. And you're as unique as the other 7.2 billion people on this planet. And you're as unique as the other 10,000 people who do exactly what you do. Right? Tongue-in-cheek. Ha-ha. And if if it was just up to us, so Chris would leave here and anything that happens in her business from this day forward to generate new business was completely on her shoulders and not also on the shoulders of the person who called on Saturday to give her a testimonial, then we would all be doomed. Because this is such a noisy world, and one of the other additional components I feel very strongly about is that you build an army. You build those people. You have to go out and touch someone's life. And so it's not necessarily a story that you put up on your website that 10,000 people read and go, what a great story. I'm going to buy your product. It's not that. It's that there's a story on your webpage, hopefully now or very soon in the future, that somebody else is telling about you, that you've conveyed, you've transferred your story from something on paper that I worked out. We call it a vortex story that I worked out on my own, and, um, and here it is. This is for me. Now, it's not over. That's not a done story. The story is only done when it's completed its cycle, and that is when somebody comes and reads that story and says, I'm going to call Chris. I'm go- I think I want to work with her. And then the story still isn't done until Chris has worked her magic and touched this person with the entirety of the story, which is also what she does for people, the kind of service that she provides, the caring with which she delivers her product. And that person then finally does the, 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 the final cycle, the final part of the cycle is comes back and tells not just Chris how much she's appreciated, but everybody else they can get their hands on, anybody who will listen. And that's what, and it just starts with that one thing. If you haven't moved somebody in this world with what it is that you do for a living to the point where this cycle has been completely completed, then you are doing it all on your own. And that's why I think it's one of the biggest reasons that a lot of people just go back to corporate. They go back to working for other people because they didn't get the, they didn't finish the cycle. They didn't start to build that army with one person, just one person. So an example of that is Jan has been touched by our stories, mine and Gina's, and she decided she wanted to get closer to us, and she did. And in that, she, you know, she got an idea of our service, everything that we do, and really fell in love with the way that Gina and I do things. And at NAMS, she was in Atlanta this, this weekend as well, and I caught her talking to people about Gina or about Directions University or me or, you know, I saw it all the time. Every time Jane came up to me and said, gee, Jane's over there talking to somebody new again. She's telling her all about DU. And nice. that's when your story has begun to affect other people. Yes. That's a really. great point. That's a great point. Oh, yeah. Um, you like and Gina's like you said, it's so many people do end up going back to corporate work from trying the entrepreneurial thing, number one, because they don't give it enough time. It takes years. It takes yeah. years. Yeah. And and also they don't have enough support and they don't have enough people sending them whatever love notes. I mean, that from that gal that sent me, Yancey, who sent me something, it was like, you know, sometimes you need that proof that your story is a story that's being, you know, it's, not necessarily that it's the right story, but someone else is engaged with it. Otherwise, you feel like you're alone, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs feel isolated. Um, it's really difficult. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's important to note that, you know, people who are involved in, you know, in the generic, the corporate, the companies, the, the companies that are trying to be different, like Zappos and uh, Tom Shoes and, I don't know why I bought two shoe companies into it, but, uh, you know, 
places that are different. Even Google, you know, when Google started feeding their employees and started, they didn't make any money necessarily directly off of being really, 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 really good in the in human history, the best company ever at that point uh, to their employees. But they did at the same point. At the same time, it wasn't a direct result, but it was like, wow, I want to go work for Google. And I was going to go work over here, and I'm one of the best programmers in the world. I can work anywhere I want, but I'm choosing Google. Well, that programmer just went and did something incredibly miraculous for Google, which did it directly affect their bottom line because mm-hmm. Google is so good to their employees, you know, and that's a story. There's a story. That's part of Google's whole story, and it was very, very important to them to have that. So there are companies, you know, real companies with real employees and all that kind of stuff, that stuff we grow up thinking is a real company that are out there getting it now. And it, you could say it's already a foregone conclusion that everybody else should be following suit and feel free to do so because if the big companies get it, then, you know, they, it's already, if it's cool for big companies to do it, it's, I already need to start rebelling against that, even though we're still really high off of the idea that more and more corporate culture could become that. You know, and we have a long way to go. That's just, these are, you can't sit here all day long and name off companies that are that cool. You will run out of companies to talk about. But, you know, it's it's headed that way, and what a great thing. Totally. And I love, and, you know, Jan, you know, originally interviewed me for a different program, which I don't think they ever even aired that interview. I never saw it come out, uh, Jan. But I loved that afterwards she asked me to do this interview with you, Jack, and um, I think it was someone named Gina, too. Huh? Um, yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, Gina, Gina's on the road right now. She'd be talking a lot more. She's here, but we'd be doing highway. Here. Oh, that's right. She's in the traffic. <laughs> yeah. I am so there's here. A story. I didn't want you to hear the traffic noise in the background. Oh, man. So, um, yeah, I, I love that, that, you know, um, Jan had, was, spoke very highly of you guys in the show, and um, and I, I love her energy too. I think she's so passionate. I mean, I love that passion that you have, Jan. It's really inspiring to me, and I'm sure so many other people. Oh, that's so funny because I always think of it as being irritating. No, See, that, again, it, we give yeah, you permission like, to be passionate. Sorry. <laughs> Well, if it's irritating, you sure do enjoy irritating people an awful lot. So, however you... (laughs) That is... Yeah, that might be part of the problem. Yeah, I do enjoy that. Well, you know, when I was so... irritating the heck out of everybody then. I was so impressed. I went to Chris and somebody gave me her name to interview and I went to her website. It was like, I have got to interview her because she had such a unique way and such a powerful, positive way of sharing her story unlike everybody else's and just drawing you in and I love that about her and I can definitely see you know you don't go to a marketing website that looks like that very often oh thank you and 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 it, it showed me it's like this is this is how you want to experience I want people to experience me that way I want them to get me when they hit it you know, yeah. and uh, and then plus we really connected. Uh, the thing I one of the things I just briefly wanted to say about Chris is that she really does have this way of helping people um, really bring that story alive for them. Yeah, you know, and if that's anybody a powerful gift. Absolutely, and anyone listening to today's show now or the recording, uh, Chris, what's the best way for you? Uh, to connect, for people to connect with you um, if they want to do work with you? Oh, they can definitely go to my website, which is www.chrisoster, so it's K-R-I-S-O-S-T-E-R.com. And I'm also on Facebook um, under Chris Katsuko Oster, so my middle name is Katsuko. That was my grandma's name because she's Japanese. Um, and, yeah I'm, yeah, I'm usually on Facebook a lot. And the other, I, I'm on Pinterest, too. I love Pinterest. Oh, my God, I'm really addicted to any sort of visual thing, and Pinterest is, you know, is amazing for that. So, yeah, that's that's where you can find me. Awesome. So if anybody is exploring this and thinking this was really, really cool, great idea, but they don't know where to go next, you know, trying to get the story that we've been talking about developed, 
then uh, absolutely, chrisoster.com, and uh, check her out on Facebook as well. Thank you so much, Chris, for being here, and I uh, look forward to uh, talking to you a lot more in the future. Thank you. Same here. It was really fun talking to you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chris. And everybody? Oh, go ahead, Gina. You're going to do the outro? <laughs> <laughs> no, you can do it, Jack. Go ahead. Oh, well, you know, all I was going to say is join us next week on Traffic Masters with another guest just like this one in the awesome category. But I don't know <laughs> who our guest is next week, so we're just going to have to leave it at that. <laughs> Thanks, right, everybody. It's going to be Tom Bell. I, I'll, get, I'll get him in there soon. Oh, you proved me right, oh, Tom Bell. Wow, right. guys. Perfect. If you guys right, are trying thanks, to everybody. figure out conversion, Jack, if they're trying to figure out conversion, be here next week. Chris, this is going to be a great show. You join us next week, too. Yeah, well, we've got... Uh, Bye, everybody. We've got, we've got our story, and then get your story down. We'll get your conversions down next week. Thanks, everybody. Join us Tuesday at noon Eastern for the next episode of Traffic Masters. From traffic to conversion to business success.